Well, good morning again, um, and thank you once again for coming. Special welcome for those of you that are here for the very first time. We hope that uh, you kind of get a feel for this place um, through today, and those of you that are just kind of figuring out what this place is all about, you've been here several times, uh, welcome back again, and thank you, and uh, we would hope that you find a safe home here. Um, Mariners is a great place of people that are, we're just co-siders that are learning to grow in our faith and knowing God better. And we're going to talk this morning, uh, continue our series, uh, Esperanza, and we're going to be talking about hope and uh, how many of us could use a little bit more hope in our lives. Any of you could use some hope in our lives? Uh, absolutely, we could. Now, now, hope is more, as we talk about what hope is, it's more than just a wish. In fact, in fact, I think a wish is just simply wimpy hope. It's just, just hope it's pretty wimpy. For instance, I hope it doesn't rain on my birthday. You know, that's just, that's just wimpy hope. Or I hope somebody asks me to the prom. You know, that, that's not what God would be talking about when he talks about hope. And hope is not just simply positive thinking. That's not what it's all about. Um, it's not just if I think I can do it, I can do it. Um, no matter how much I positively think, I still cannot hit a curveball. I just simply, simply can't. And no matter how much I positively think, I can't snowboard or eat Brussels sprouts. Those things just don't work in my life. It doesn't matter how positive I am. Hope is a, is a God thing. It's a, it's a God word, and it consumes our life. Hope is an assurance that a loving God is in control of life and of my life. You, you hear that? It's of life and of my life. And no matter what happens, good or bad, he's in charge and it's okay. And that's what hope is. It's a way that you, you live. You live in hope. I think it's interesting that Peter, Peter who walked with Jesus and, and experienced all the hope, he said this. He said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the what? For the hope that you have. And that means people are going to be taking a look at your life and, and you're going through ups or downs or whatever and they're going to say, wait a second, how, how come you got that kind of hope? I mean, how do you live with that kind of a hope and that attitude and that outlook in life? And you can say, here's why. You know, because I have a God who's in charge of life and my life. No matter what happens, good or bad, he's in control and it's going to be what? It's going to be okay. And so therefore I can live, I can live in hope. Now for the next couple of seconds or a couple of minutes, I, I would love us to work through how to keep hope when the big things hit. Okay, the large things, you know, those major life change events that happen in our lives because they, they, they do happen. You know, you've heard the phrase, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. You ever heard that? You know, don't sweat the small stuff and life and, and all of life is just what? Small stuff, you know, and that's not true. You know, there are things in life that are not just simply small stuff. There are some big things um, like the daughter with leukemia or the wife with breast cancer or the dad with dementia, the miscarriage, or, or the loneliness, or you know, the friend's suicide, son's addiction, or crumbling marriage. I hate those things, you know? I hate those things. Those are the big things. And they do happen, and they do come. And how do you keep hope in that? How are you able to maintain that kind of hope in that? And that's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about today. Let's pray, okay? And we, Father, thank you now for the moments that we have in this time. And I, and I would really pray that you give me the right words. And this would be about you giving us hope no matter what we're going through. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what, here's what Paul in the Bible says. 
It says we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not dis- destroyed. And you, you look at the first phrase in that, when he says we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Notice there's a, there's a comma in between. Those two phrases, those two clauses. There's a comma right there. In fact, in the middle of all those phrases, there's a comma. And I don't know about you, but I, I tend to focus on those things that are on the left side. You know, hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Those are the things that, that I tend to focus on. But look at on the right side, you know, of the comma. Not crushed, not in despair, not abandoned, not destroyed. And the trick is getting from the left side of the comma to the what? To the right side of the comma. How can I move my life from that left side of that comma to, to, the, to the right side? Um, how do I do that? And there are some principles that, that I would like to share um, from Scripture. They're not completely exhaustive, um, but they are ones that stand out to me on how we can begin to learn how to live life when the big things hit and move from the despair and the perplex and the struck down to all those things on the right side um, of the comma. And that's what I want to talk about. First one, first one is this. And if you want to take notes, great. If not, just you go ahead and just listen on in with this one. I have to reframe my view of life. We will need to be reframing our view of life. You understand what I mean when I say reframe? Um, some of you, 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 you get the whole concept of reframing. Once I was in Hallmark um, um, store in town buying balloons for all things. Yeah, I remember I was buying balloons and they had picture frames as Hallmark does. You know, they have picture frames and, and sometimes on the fancy ornate picture frames they'll have like a little phrase, something you, you can buy. You know, they'll talk about, for instance, our vacation. You know, and, and what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to put a picture of your what? Vacation. You know, put your vacation in there. It kind of helps you know what the picture is and, and they'll have some like, you know, world's best friend, you know, and you put a picture in that, or world's best mom, and you put a picture in that. They had one that was world's best pastor. <laughs> I bought that for myself. I just wanted to... <laughs> and, and the frame, the frame helps you understand the picture, okay? The frame tells you what the picture is really all, all about. You don't put a picture of your house in the middle of my vacation, okay? You don't do, unless you had a really... Well, lousy vacation, I guess. You don't do, you don't do that. You know, you, you just, you don't do that. So when we talk about framing or reframing, framing is how you choose to look at life. And a lot of us have, I would say, a, a wrong frame of life, a wrong way that we view life. For instance, here are some of the frames that we have picked up in life or we hold on to or we even cling to. Um, life is fair. That's a frame that we hold on to. Or life is easy. Or good guys win, bad guys lose. Things don't fall apart. That's another frame. Or bad things don't happen to people who are living for God. You see how those are frames that we kind of put on in our lives? You know, we put on our lives. And, and, and therefore, we try and see life based on that frame that, that, that's right there. And, and the problem is, is those aren't accurate frames. And when things hit, you begin to try and look at that frame and say, I don't see how that fits inside this frame, and so you, you, you struggle with it. You, you see how that kind of, kind of happened? Jesus said this, and, and he's going to give us all the correct frame. He said, he said, in this world, you'll have trouble. In this world, trouble is going to happen. Jesus said, I mean, he had to live it. 
Not only did he say it. Now, now, you know, for me, I tend to freak out when too many appliances at home break at the same time, you know. And then uh, what happens is because I have a wrong frame that things are supposed to always work, I begin to doubt, and then I begin to lose hope that good will ever come. You see, see how that happens? And all of a sudden, we begin to work through or try to work through a faulty frame, and it doesn't work particularly well. Do we have um, any middle kids here, middle, middle-born kids, middle-born kids? Hands up, hands up, yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless you. You know, God bless you. Um, you have suffered much, I know. I'm a, I'm a middle child. I was born a middle child. You know the meaning of a hard life. You, you just know that. The middle kid, middle kid, no, yeah, the middle kid was not pampered, was not pampered like the firstborn, okay, and was not spoiled like the lastborn. You got that? We were stuck right there in the, in the middle, and, and the middle kid will say all the time, you know, that's not fair. When I was her age, I couldn't do that, you know? And those of you who are parents with, with multiple kids, if you're a parent, you have said, had the joy of saying these words, well, guess what? Life is what? Life is not fair. Life isn't fair. And so you middle kids have gotten that whole idea that life is not fair. And, 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 and that's why middle kids are the most well-adjusted people in the room. I just want to let you know that. You guys are the most well-adjusted. And if my frame is life is fair, I'm going to be devastated in life. You, you follow that? If that's my attitude, if that's my frame, um, life is fair, I, I will be Beat up all the time. Um, Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. You will. You just simply will. Second, second is we all have to, we all have to learn to live with limps. I have to learn, with a, learn to live with a limp. And I say this because, and I've shared this story before. It's in the book of Genesis, chapter 32. And, 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 and you should read, go back and read it in your Bibles. It's an out-of-the-blue story of Jacob, and um, Jacob was one of the big figures of, um, uh, of the Old Testament. He was a self-made man, kind of, kind of. At least he thought he was. The name Jacob, his name means deceiver or manipulator or he cheats. How's that for a name? And, and that was who he was. Um, he manipulated everything to his advantage. Life was all about him. Okay. He's not my favorite character in the, in the Old Testament. I believe he'll be in eternity in heaven, and I would like to meet him someday, but I'm not going to give him a high five. I'll just give him a quick low five and be on my way. I mean, that's just, that's just kind of it. No, I'm kidding about that. But he manipulates everything to his advantage. It's all about him. And he can't get his eyes off anyone but himself. He even tries to manipulate God. And he never has faced something that he can't, with his own cunning or conniving or smarts or manipulation um, that he can't get out of on his own. He can just work it. He has that ability. Now, people like that burn bridges. They burn lots of bridges, and he burned one too many. He burned one with his brother. He ripped off his brother a bunch of years prior, and, and he had to leave. He had to bolt, and he goes off, you know, a different place, and he, he makes a, a life and a living for himself, and family and he was able to make a lot of money and and then he burned bridges with his father-in-law and so now he's coming back home again and he has lots of sheep and camels and donkeys and kids and all that and and um, his brother gets wind of it this is where Genesis 32 comes in and um, 
So his brother's coming to meet him. And you're thinking, oh, family reunion, you know, how sweet, right? No, his brother's coming with 400 armed soldiers, okay? It's not looking good for this guy. And so Jacob is going to work this one out, okay? He's going to figure it out, because that's what Jacob does. Jacob fights for Jacob. I mean, that's, that's, that's who I do. And so Jacob, the manipulator, divides his family and his stuff, and he has them go forward in groups, in waves of groups. And if you read it, first group comes, and if, if the soldiers wipe out the first group, well, then there'll be a second group that's going to come, and, and maybe they'll be leaning on the second group. If they wipe them out, maybe the third group he'll be leaning on. And guess who stays to show up last to see if anything is left over, and if things are looking bad, he just doesn't show up at all? That's Jacob. He uses his family as a shield for him. And that's just Jacob. And so Jacob is all alone now. Everyone's gone ahead to face who knows what. And Jacob goes into this ravine to wait it out. And, and, and all of a sudden, and, and, and this is what, what you read through this thing, all of a sudden he realizes, I'm now into something that I cannot maneuver my way out of. This is now too big for me. I can't do it. I can't do it. He's all alone in this ravine, and um, all of a sudden, as weird as it sounds, um, um, God sends an angel to wrestle with him. Now, um, any of you ever wrestled with an angel? You know, I've never wrestled with an angel. Um, I've hugged my wife, and she's an angel. Jacob's wrestling this guy. He can't beat him. He can't beat him because God sends this angel to it to teach, to teach him uh, a, a life lesson about life. Because all of a sudden now Jacob, not only are his circumstances out of his control, but he's wrestling with this guy and he can't beat him. Never in his life has Jacob connected with somebody or met with somebody he can't beat. Jacob, his whole life, he's wrestled everything and he can't beat him. And he's beginning to realize that this whole time he's not been at war with people, he's been at war with God. Um, angel touches Jacob, dislocates his hip. Bam! Any of you ever had something dislocate? Ever dislocated something? It hurts like crazy. And whatever it is, man, you, you can't use it. It just, it just hangs. Jacob, whole family, everyone's gone from him. Just this stranger he's wrestling with. And if it's dark and you get hit and you're all of a sudden your leg goes completely numb and you're wrestling with somebody, you cling to that person and you hang on. You just hang on. Jacob's never had to cling to anybody in his life. Never had to hang on to anybody else for help. Um, and something is physically happening that should have been spiritually happening all along. Jacob is now having to depend upon somebody else. Somebody else in his life. Jacob realizes it and hangs on. The Bible says this. The man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I think God's been waiting for those words for a really long time. For Jacob to finally say, I can't go on without you. What's your name? The man asked. And he replied, Jacob. And the guy said, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on you will be called Israel. The name Jacob means I manipulate or I fight for myself. The name Israel means God fights for you. Hear that? God's now the one in charge. Um, let's take a look at his hip socket. 
let's not, okay? It's blown out, it's shot, it's torn up, it's gone, you know? And he limps. Jacob will always limp, always limp. Why? Because it will bring back a time in his life when he realized, I can't do this on my own. I need somebody else. In this case, the limp was necessary for Jacob. It was necessary for Jacob. And life is going to hit hard. It just, it just hits hard. And it will cause you and me to limp, and we have to learn to live with the limp. Do we know why those limps come? No, we don't. We don't always know. You know, we don't, we don't know. They come, though, and they hurt, and limps last. And sometimes they last for the rest of your life, and sometimes you have no idea why they were there. But hope comes from knowing that there is a God who's in control of life and my life, and no matter what happens, whether good or bad, he's in control, and it's going to be okay. And I might not know that. When I was in my late 20s, um, my best friend died tragically, just died tragically, and... and, and um, he was the kid. That, he, he was the kid that lived two doors down. Okay, two doors down. You know, and 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 I mean, we grew up together. You know, I mean, we grew up together, and and we we played together every day after school. We we're always there. You know, we threw a ball together. We played army in the yard together, and GI Joes, and we did everything. You know, we went for runs together as we got older. We shared everything. We talked about girls. We talked about life. I led him to Christ. Um, and I remember getting the call that he was gone. He was dead. Sad and it was tragic. Um, and, 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 I, and I tried to describe it to Lisa. Um, and I said, it's, it's like on the inside of me, there's huge chunks of me that are just falling, collapsing. And there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. There are parts of me that are just eroding away. I can't stop it. And I felt like there's just these big scour marks being ripped on the inside of me. My person, my personality, my emotions, my life. And there's nothing I can do. And I knew that those scars would be there for a long, long time, if not forever. That was over 30 years ago. And I thought time heals, you know. And you always think, when am I going to get over this? You don't get over it. You don't. You don't. You just don't. The pain lessens. It does. But there's certain things you just you don't get over. Um, I went to visit his gravesite. Found it. You know the name and the date. And uh, God, I fell down on my knees and cried like a baby. <laughs> You know, I've never gone back. Um, have I ever fully healed? No. No, you don't fully heal from things like that. I still limp with that one, by the way. I still limp on that one. Um, we're supposed to grow old together. We're supposed to have, take vacations together, you know. We're supposed to have kids and let our kids learn to like each other. Am I a better person because of it? I don't know. You know, did I learn all kinds of deep theological truths? I don't know. I suppose. I guess. Um, I wish there was a whole lot better ways to learn that kind of stuff. I wish there were. Hope is not relief. 
Hope is that God is in charge of this life and my life. And that has to be enough. And sometimes it's all you got. It's all you can do. Our hope's in a person. It's in God. Um, next, we, we should look big and we should look beyond. Um, this is what Paul says when he's talking about all these kinds of things, you know, going from the, from the one side of the comma to the other side of the comma. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. Far beyond all comparison. I mean, you, you hear that? You know? You hear what he's saying? You know? Light affliction, you know, light affliction. And, and when he's comparing, he's saying, look, look, this is just momentary light affliction, what we're going through. This life we're going through. And we think, God, but it's so hard. And, and I understand it. We understand it because it's all we've got. That's all we can see is this life right here. But he's saying, you've got to understand, this is just momentary, just light. And it's producing in us an eternal weight of glory. And he's now looking to the future, to the forever, to the heaven, heaven thing, you know. He's looking for the, the, the bigger outcome of what God is doing in our life, which is something great. When our kids were infants, we took them in for their baby shots. I know some of you might be anti-vaccination. I get it, and I understand that one. Well, you know, we, 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 we did this stuff back then. And, and what you do is, I mean, you bring your baby in, and you bring this helpless little child, this little, you know, innocent little child in. And, and, and I remember clearly our little baby being put on the table and, and the nurse coming in with two needles, you know, two needles, you know, and... and, and, and your baby has these cute, you know, little chubby thighs. And I remember the nurse moving closer, you know, to stick those needles in. And, and she asked if I could hold down the baby. And, you know, I, I, I did, you know. And I, and I closed my eyes. You know, I just closed my eyes. And, 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 and soon the room was filled with just a piercing scream. And um, after a moment, Lisa said to me, They're done, Paul. You can quit screaming, okay? And I said, Done. <laughs> You know, and why, 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 why do we do this? I mean, why do we take our children in and get these two things, you know, jammed in their, in their thighs? Because light and momentary vaccination is producing in them a lifetime of health. You know, light, momentary affliction is producing in you and in you and you and me an eternal weight of glory. And if we do that for our kids, can't, can't God do that? Can't God do that? Won't God do that? The Bible is always written with an eternal perspective, always. You know, it's always written with a forever eternal perspective. We're going to last forever. It assumes we're lasting forever. And that means that this life is just, it's just a little blip, blip, you know, blip. It, now again, like I said, it's all I've got. So it's pretty much all I can really grasp in my head and that's why the Bible tries to say you got to understand this is just a hiccup you know this is just a little tiny thing and and if there were no eternal life no life beyond this then we have every reason to complain to God that he's not being fair you follow that if this is all we've got if this is all we've got we have every reason to complain that God's not being fair if this is it or that God's not being right but, but it does go on forever. And that this life is only helping us become what God wants us to be for his glory and for others as well. This isn't, this isn't even what life's all about anymore if you're in Christ. This is not what life's all about anymore if we're in Christ. It's not. And, and, and I just imagine 10,000 years from now, 10,000, 100,000 years from now, 
we'll, we'll, maybe we'll get back together again, and maybe you and I will be having a conversation, and, and I'll say to you, hey, remember that big crisis you had in 2019? You know, remember that? And, and, and you might say, you know, not really, you know, not really. I do remember that you, Paul, got bugged when they gave you a senior discount and you didn't ask for it. You know, I remember that part, but I don't remember mine. And, and what we have to understand is the things that we think are so huge now, you know, so huge now, are just, as Paul would say, what, light and momentary affliction. And producing in us a forever way of glory. Last one, is know God and know about God. And Man, this might be the most important one, even though I'm only going to spend a couple seconds on it. Daniel writes that people who know their God will display strength and take action. And, and, and I would love you to be able to say, not only do I know about God, but I know God. And, and I know they overlap, but they're also a little bit different, okay? Knowing about God and knowing God. Knowing about God, that actually is, is stuff that we, we really need to do, we really do need to put in, in, into this kind of this, this stuff between our ears, you know? Those are things of understanding about God, the scripture and theology, because that really helps. That really honestly helps that there are some times when I have absolutely zero feeling about it. The heart's just kind of not working right, you know, in regards to God. I don't feel it. But in my head, I know, because all of a sudden when my emotions are crashing and burning or doing whatever, I know that one that God is, I know that God is all loving as perfect He's perfect, so he has to be perfect in love, and he will never do anything to hurt me because he loves me too much. And I know in my head that God is all-knowing and that no matter what, he knows the very best way that he's going to accomplish his purpose in my life for his glory. I know that. I know that. And oftentimes when the feelings are gone, that's what I grasp on to. And sometimes when the head gets all muddy and confused, all that kind of stuff, I will say I know God, and that's not a boast. That's only because Jesus has allowed me to. And I will say, man, even though things aren't necessarily making sense to me, I have on the inside a feel of who God is. And I know because I have experienced his love. Know about God and knowing God. Um. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up right now. And, and, and actually, this service, believe it or not, we call it front-loading. Um, we're, we we're going to do some songs at the end to try and get us to move into the feel and the emotion of God and to worship him in a special way. And we're going to do a couple songs um, to allow you to express love to God. And, and as you may be expressing love to God, maybe he's going to express back a chance um, for you to have more hope in him. Let me read a verse. It says, we are hard-pressed on every side. You know, there's that side of the comma. But not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. The Bible says this, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope. There it is. I will dare to hope. It's like God says, I dare you to hope. I dare to hope. When I remember this, faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies, they, they don't cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord's my inheritance. I'll hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. Let's worship this God.